it gives us the blueprint of how are we supposed to treat hurting people and people who are different than us because we're all sinners. We all fall short, but we can't look at someone different because they sin different than us. Mm -mm. I can't judge people because you sin differently than I do. No, we all fall short and we all need a savior. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today is a returning guest, author, podcast host, my sister in Christ, Michelle Faust. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It is a great day. I also should add that you decided to do this at the, like you accepted this request on very short notice. So thank you for this quick turnaround and bailing me out because I'm running out of content. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, but I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So for anyone who didn't get a chance to listen to, to the first episode where I had you on, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, Who is Michelle Faust? What have you been working on? Let's see. I am an author. I am a published author of a book called Friendship, God's Plan Through History and Beyond. It's a study of covenant. And then I am also uh, an author of a second book coming out. And it is all about surrender to God. It's uh, the elements of surrender, candle, lamp, and light switch. So that is coming out shortly. So, and then I have a, my, an old pod, uh, my own podcast. And I just am somebody who loves the Lord and loves to teach and just help people understand his love better. I mean, that's what I am. I'm pretty simple. <laughs> Man, man, that's a beautiful thing. That's of all beautiful things. So when we have you back on here, we're going to talk about surrender. That'll oh, be- yes. We're going to do the entire surrender series. I'm very excited. And it's not simple. There's a lot of depth to it. And it's going to take probably 11 episodes to get through. So and it could take more depending if we, we dissect each one of them. So it's deep and there's not much it does not touch. The good thing is that'll give content for all of next year. So I won't oh, it probably will. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be good. Today, however, we are going to talk about being grateful and being thankful with to the things God has done and the things Jesus has done and the things that he is going to do. And I'm going to we're going to root this in the story of Jesus cleansing the 10 lepers. So, anybody who's listening, go ahead and open your Bibles cuz we're going to get into Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. And we're just going to talk about just gratitude and thanksgiving. But I'm going to let my 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 guest read this scripture to you. All right, here we go. Jesus cleanses the 10 lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along, along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except the foreigner? And he said to them, rise up, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Before I even dive into this, could you imagine having to tell Jesus like, Hey, where'd your nine friends go? <laughs> yeah, that's a little disheartening, really, because they were all cleansed, but only one was thankful. And it was the foreigner. It was the one that really didn't fit in culturally that would have been in, within the culture rejected. And I think one of the things, too, about about this miracle that sometimes gets glossed over, it's, it, we can't look at this in our time period today, because if you look at this in in, in Jesus's time, 
this was a very serious disease at that point. Like you don't hear about leprosy. I can't even think about the last time I heard about leprosy in the United States. Like, like it's just not something that you're going to turn on the news and just hear about on any kind of regularity. So they had strict protocols and regulations around leprosy because this disease was so highly contagious. This was a death sentence back then. It was a death sentence. It meant isolation. You had yep. to announce that you were unclean. And the fact that Jesus even got near to the lepers mm-hmm. went countercultural. I mean, you go back to the Old Testament, they were thrown, they were pushed out of the camp. They couldn't mm-hmm. go into the tabernacle. They could not go in, into the places of worship because it was a very contagious disease. But the interesting thing about leprosy is it's a it's a grouping of different conditions that were skin conditions. And it just, it was an absolute nightmare to be diagnosed with because there was no cure for this at all. So the fact that they were even cleansed is a miracle unto themselves because now that they're cleansed, all of these people, we don't know how long these people had the leprosy. So they had to live as outcasts for, we don't know how long. So for the fact that nine didn't come back with any Thanksgiving, it's disheartening. It's sad. It's upsetting. And it just shows the state of those people's hearts that they really were only there to get a healing and they really didn't want a relationship with Jesus. They weren't even thankful. Right. It was their part was transactional. And this is why I tell people we we cannot be all about God's gifts and not about God's glory. Because this is not a this is not a transactional thing. This is a, a relationship with Jesus is just that it, it is a relationship, it is a lifestyle. And see, the the other thing about, to your point about leprosy is like, it causes the nerve endings to deaden it. Sometimes they couldn't feel pain. So they would get hurt and not even know it. And to your point, like they had to stand so far away and they have to announce, like you said, unclean, like imagine us walking down the street today with our most recent sin just strapped to our backs Mm -hmm. and on our chest, having to announce that we're murderers or liars or thieves or cheated on that test, whatever it is, just imagine having to walk down the street and do that. So like you said, this is also a social death too, because they also, they had to move away from their families if they had leprosy. You lost it all yep. at this point in time. So this was a major thing to, to, to be going through. So even into society, if you were healed and cleaned, you had to go to the priest for that to, to take place. Yeah. And they, and that's how you would get re- reintroduced into the community because they had to have, to your point again, their own community. They could not be around or near anyone else. They had to harvest their own food and literally create a whole new lifestyle away from everything that, that they knew. Yeah. And I think this is really interesting because it shows God's level of grace and compassion because Christ could have very easily undid the healing on those other nine, but he allowed them to stay clean, even though that they were ungrateful, even though they didn't return, even though that they kind of like went prodigal in a sense where they just went off and we don't know what happened to them. But I mean, I think it's, it's a testimony to God's grace that he didn't reverse that cleansing, that he didn't bring back leprosy, because there are parts in the Old Testament where God gave judgment with leprosy. Like you look at Aaron's sister in the Old Testament, when they speak out against Moses and Aaron, when Moses and Aaron start speaking out against, I mean, when when Aaron's brother and sister start speaking out against him, God calls them to account. And then he, and then God gives Miriam leprosy. So leprosy was also a form of a judgment back in the Old Testament. So the fact that God did not apply it in the same way in this case is a, a sign of grace and just how good he is that he allowed those people just to go on their way. And thank God for grace because Jesus didn't walk around Samaria. He didn't walk Mm-mm. around it. He went to 
the issue. He went to the problem. He he saw the pain, but he did not identify them by their sin. He didn't identify, and I'm, and he didn't identify them in their place in in pain. And I know I use the example of we had to walk down the street with our sins on our backs and strapped to our chest. Thank God for the blood of Christ because that's not our identity. Yep. You know, our shortcomings is not our identity. It's not an excuse to continue to go on sinning by any stretch of the imagination, but we are not identified by that. He moved towards their pain. He Jesus always found himself in, in the proximity of people mm-hmm. who were hurting and were in need of a savior. And it, it kind of gives us the, it's not kind of, it does. It gives us the blueprint of how are we supposed to treat hurting people and people who are different than us because we're all sinners. We all fall short. But we can't look at someone different because they sin different than us. Mm-mm. I can't judge people because you sin differently than I do. No, we all fall short and we all need a savior. Yeah. And that's where pride is so dangerous because we, pride can make us feel like we're better than others. And our pride can make us feel like we're doing better things than others. And realistically, like we are just as in need of grace as everybody else. And that pride is so blinding that it's just, it is something we've got to stay away from because the moment we think we're better than people, the moment we stop caring about people is the moment that the Lord really can't use us anymore because we're just in the way of ourselves in that moment. I I take the stance that I'm the biggest and worst sinner that I know. And that way, because in my head, I'm like, I have no reason or no right or no room to judge anyone else because I know that if you keep peeling back the layers and the onions of Eric Stevens, the layers of that onion of Eric Stevens, well, we're going to uncover some other things. We're going to uncover this. We're going to uncover that. God is, until he calls us home, we are still in that process of, of sanctification. It is not, none of us have arrived. So yeah. I have no room to be judging someone for where they fall short or not extending forgiveness for where they may fall short. And if you're walking in thankfulness and gratitude for what God has done for you, you will be in a state of humility on a consistent basis. Cause then you're going to, you're going to sit there and think sometimes, man, look at what he's blessed me with, but look at what he's kept me from. Look at where he's taking, look at where he could potentially be taking me. You don't have time to be worried about other mm-hmm. people's shortcomings. <laughs> you you don't. And we can't be a judge on either way because there's two different, there's, there's two different extremes on this one. Either we judge people harshly on what we view as a shortcoming or two, we think people are perfect And then we don't acknowledge that they're just as sinful as we are. And that leaves us in a sense of getting hurt. That leaves us vulnerable to disillusionment. And that leaves us vulnerable to blindly following people that we really don't know actually what their heart is. I mean, I was talking to somebody today about worship leaders that have come out publicly and said that I didn't even believe what I was singing, but I look like I was worshiping. I look like I was leading people to Christ, but I didn't even know Christ. And I was just putting on a show like we cannot, mm. whether it's in sin or we think somebody is super righteous, we have no right or place to be a judge on that. All we should be focused on ourselves, focus on our own relationship with Christ and really trying to cultivate that humility in ourselves so that we can be humble and serve God's people without that motive that's put that's motivated by that's motivated by the pride and the arrogance that comes when we start making judgments. And even to touch on that a little, he told them to go, right? He said Jesus didn't heal them and then say he told them to go and as they go they would be healed. <laughs> Yeah, like it, it takes faith and obedience sometimes for those mm. miracles to to happen. There was faith there and there was obedience there for that miracle. 
And I'm going to be throwing out random questions during this episode, but I think that's one of the, the things that I think we should ask ourselves is where do I need to be obedient so God can work in my life? Hmm, that's so good. You know, I have a, say, a statement that I came up with is like, faith is only faith when the things that you are praying for and are in the realm of the unseen, hmm. which means it's not faith to step out when you have everything. And it's not faith to step out even when you have evidence. It is faith when you have nothing and you're stepping in and you're stepping out in confidence that thing is going to come to fruition. Now, God will not tell you how it's going to come to fruition, but he is always a provider. And one of the things is sometimes when he does provide, we're not grateful because he didn't give it to us how we wanted it. And sometimes that ungratefulness makes us blind to his provision because we get picky. We're like, oh, I don't want to work with that person, or I don't want to do that, or I don't want to take that step. But then God's like, okay, well, then I can't progress you because this is the provision that I had because God's will must be done God's way. And if we're not willing to do God's will God's way, then we really aren't usable for his kingdom in that sense until we surrender. One of the things that I, I, I put into practice early on in my walk, and I do it periodically now, and I think it's something as we're talking, I put this in my notes, I really need to get back to it is just every day, either when I wake up or at night, just saying three to five things that I'm grateful and thankful for. And I, it really just, I used to do it in the morning and sometimes I would do it before I went to bed just because it gets the mind set on the right thing that, you know what, we do have clean water. There are, I do have a job. I have a car to take me there. The fact that like I, we have electricity, the very things that we sometimes take for granted are the very things other people are praying for. Absolutely. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves the things that I used to pray for. Am I walking in those mess, those blessings, those miracles right now? And to remember and to be grateful for that, that, Hey, there was a point in time where I prayed for the very things I'm complaining about right now. Yeah, yeah. your prayer requests, the things you pray for can become your prayer request to get out of if sometimes we don't realize what we pray for. But I think it goes deeper mm-hmm. because if we never were not allowed to walk in faith, then we would never know what it is to say, God, like the things, the struggles that we go through that, that we pray to get out of develop strength and endurance in us for the things the Lord has for us. Like if the Lord made everything easy for us, we would never grow. Like a faith walk is not a faith walk unless you have times you can't see, times you can't understand what he is doing. And those are the times you build your foundation. I mean, people want the blessings, but they don't want to build the foundations to to support those blessings. It's one of those things like, it's like, it would be like a bodybuilder going to the like saying, I want to bulk up and I want to get huge muscles, but I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to take protein. I don't want to eat healthy. Give me McDonald's. It's like, that's not how life works, but that's how we act sometimes. Like, Lord, make me strong, build my faith. Was like, okay, well, I'm going to give you a season of wilderness and I'm going to give you things you don't understand. And then we're crying to God, like, what's going on? What did I do wrong? And he's like, I gave you what you asked for, but we don't recognize it. I just told, I told somebody this recently. What you just said is exactly why I don't pray for patience. Yeah, I don't refuse. Do it. <laughs> I refuse. I will not pray for that. Mm-hmm. I denounce that prayer over my life for people. Yep. Like before I walk in the door every day, if anybody's praying for patience for me, I denounce it. No, Jesus, okay. man, that's a no go. There was a song in youth group. It was like, <laughs> brokenness is what I long. I'm like, why am I singing this? I don't want brokenness. Like, it's no. crazy. I, and to your point, how do you, I guess I'll go back to being an adult here for a second. How do you know that you have faith unless your faith is tested? Mm -hmm. How do you know where you stand unless it gets tested? And 
I use this analogy a lot when in, in sports too. It's like, well, if you're into kickboxing, for example, how do you know how great your skill set is unless you are challenged by somebody else who has a great skill set? Mm-hmm. Why you don't really know where you stand. And I think it's I, I think again to to your point, that faith is gonna be put to the test to see. And we need to really say to really just realize that some of the things that we pray, what we're actually saying and what we're asking God for, because 10, 10 out of the 10 got healed. One came back because one didn't forget. He got the blessing and then he continued the praise. So this for him, this wasn't just transactional. This wasn't just a transactional physical healing because in the ESV, the word says well, but I believe in the King James, that word says whole. Mm. And that word whole in the Greek means so-so, which is salvation. So mm-hmm. he was made whole. This was signed, sealed, delivered. This man is going to be spending eternity with Christ. So yeah. I think that he realized that there was the healing, but the healer was the priority. Yeah. And I think that that it's really a litmus test of your heart, because when you're only motivated to pray for what you want and the outcomes you want and the things that you're missing if that is your only motivation, if God gives that to you, then you will have no motivation to pray. You will have no motivation to seek him. You will just go back to life as usual. That was my life a long time ago. I would, my husband's like, do you only pray when things get hard? Because I would pray when things would get tough. And then I would back my prayer life off and then go back to normal. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why is there a pattern when I'm in trial, I pray. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not in trial, I don't pray. And it's that I feel like that's kind of what happened with the other nine lepers. Like their trial's over. They're cleansed. They can go back to normal life. They weren't pursuing the Lord. They weren't trying to grow a relationship with them. They just wanted healing from their illness. And this is what, and this is a little rabbit trail, but I, one thing that drives me crazy in the prophetic movement is all these people are like, God has all this breakthrough for you. God has all this stuff for you. And it's like, why would God lift off the one thing that is making you pursue him. Mm. Why? I'm like, it's God's grace. He has that situation on your life because he has your attention. Like, I mean, God will give us trials to get our attention. But the thing is like, if when your trial gets let, lets up, I'm like, are you going to still pursue God with the same intensity as you were when you were praying for your healing or praying for your financial breakthrough? Like if Pharaoh did that, Pharaoh in, in, in Exodus Asked Moses, hey, can you lift off the plague? Plagues. And, and, and Pharaoh decided, oh, said he would let the people go over and over again and reneged over and over again. He wanted the plagues to stop, but he w- he never went through with letting the people go. And the only reason that God's people got to leave is because God killed the firstborn in Egypt and whoever didn't mark the, the, the doorpost with the blood. And then that's what finally freed the God's chosen people. But it's just like, we need to be people that don't just pursue God to get something that we want, whether it be healing or finances, we need to pursue him because he's the father and he's holy and that he is our God. Like, yes, he can heal us, but he's more than a healer. He's Jehovah, like the Holy Spirit. Like they're not there to be used. They're there to have a relationship with. It's funny because like, I mean, I know I said it joking again on this, but like you really did take this on like super short notice. And I have in my notes, God is not a genie. We can't take him for granted. No, nope. <laughs> And it's, it brings me to another question of when was the last time we went back to the feet of Jesus hmm. just out of thanks and gratitude? Yeah. When was the last time we fasted just to say, 
I just want a more intimate relationship with you, not because I'm looking for a job or I need a decision on this or I need an answer on that, because there's nothing wrong with fasting for wisdom and clarity. I'm not downplaying or attacking that at all, but I'm asking, when was the last time that we just went back to the feet of Jesus just to say, thank you for what you've done? And you know what? There are some things on my heart. So I'm just going to say, I'm going to praise you until the blessing comes, until the breakthrough comes. I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you out of it because a lot of what you said is when I'm praying for this and I got it, what's next? So I'm going to stay ready in season, out of season, because I may be coming out of this storm. Now, another one's going to come. Another one's going to show up. How are we going to handle and, and deal with that? So I think when was the last time that we went back to the feet of Jesus? Because as we go, we can't forget the one who sent us. No. Specifically talking to Christians now, I like we, mm-hmm. as if he, if we have given our lives to Christ, which means we have been purchased, we cannot forget the one who sent us on this journey and the one who saved us in the first place. And that's why it's important to meditate on gratitude and thankfulness and thanksgiving, because we need to be careful what we are putting in and the things that we're constantly thinking about. So putting gratitude into practice, because you hear this often too, where people will tell you something like, well, the Bible contradicts contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. The, the Bible is contrary to our flesh and how we want to live and how we want to do certain things and how we want to be in control of our lives. And the Bible is saying, and you really don't want mm-hmm. that. No. So are we willing to give up our control for his mm-hmm. sovereign control? Yep. Right. And then go back to his feet to say, thank you. Because I, for one, am grateful that he has not answered all of my prayers in the ways that I prayed them sometimes. So, yeah, I I agree with you. And I think it goes a little deeper than that is not only are we going to be people that are grateful, but if Christ never does another thing for me, never answers another prayer, never heals my illness, never does a single thing, he has already done infinitely more than I ever deserve and abundantly more than I could ever comprehend. He doesn't have to do anything else for the rest of history for anybody else. Yet we put God on this constant demand list that is not even, that's not even biblical. I mean, it it is absolutely ridiculous. Aren't we willing to sit with the father? Just to sit with him, and the in the book that I do, I have it's the surrender. It goes under the surrender of the candle, that time, that alone time when you have to surrender your time, your self effort, and your sense of control. Because if you don't, if you do not surrender control, you're going to try to control God. Like you're going to try to manipulate him. You're going to try to say, I pray enough or I do enough and try to manipulate the situation to try to move God's hand. And he doesn't respond to that. He responds to surrender. He responds when you say, God, I, I don't need anything else from you. I love you because you were God. Yes, I would like a blessing, but I'm going to love you and serve you and worship you anyways, even if I never, ever get a blessing again. That is the type of position we need to have because it's so easy to get into that realm of just saying, oh God, I'll love you if you do this. I'll love you if you heal me, or I love you if you heal my child or give me a better job. It's just, we treat God like a, like a celestial ATM in a sense with all these demands. And I, I truly believe the Holy Spirit is the most grieved person that exists. 
because we ignore him until we have requests. Can you imagine if I only talk to my husband when I needed something? Do I know where he is? No. Do I care about his feelings? No. Do I spend any time with him? No. Oh, but can I have your ATM card? Because I need to have a long list of requests. I want nothing to do with you, but I want your blessings. Right. That's what we do to the Lord when we turn him into just one giant list of everything. I'm not saying we're not supposed to represent our request to God because the scripture tells us to. But if we're only presenting a request to God void of relationship with him, void of that quiet intimacy with him, then we've got a dysfunction that we really need the Holy Spirit's help to work through so that we can break through to that depth of relationship that says, God, I want healing. I want breakthrough. But if you don't bring it, I'm still going to love you. It's funny that you just said that because God is the, sometimes when I, I think that, that we need to realize that like God knows exactly what we need because mm-hmm. he is our creator. So I then will sometimes just ask myself, God, send my, or I sometimes just ask God, send me what you know that I need. Give me what I need for where you're sending me because you're the only person who's been in my tomorrow. So the only person who knows what I'm going to need when I get there. Yeah. So I may have my thoughts and my ideas. I may have what I think in my head I might need, but you already know <laughs> because you're Alpha yeah. Omega. So you've already equipped me. You all you've already seen the what what is about to take place. So help get me on your page for what you're calling me to do. Because to your point, if you never give me another thing, will I remain faithful? Because Faith is one thing, but being faithful is something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, yeah. There, There's faith that believes and there's faith that that holds on. And faith will get you started, but faithful will keep you going. So yeah. you talk, So now we're talking about acknowledging Jesus, right? But then we're talking about abiding in Jesus. That's, yeah. And abiding is not circumstantial. <laughs> sure. No. We, no. It, it is abiding. That's it. It's <laughs> a know? constant choice every single day to abide. Like you have to make a choice to do this because sometimes you're not going to want to. Sometimes your flesh is going to have one idea and your emotions and your thoughts are going to have an idea and it's going to be contrary to abiding in Christ, but that faith keeps us in line. That's why it says the path is narrow. Like we have to stay within that abiding nature of Christ and his will, because we can't direct ourselves to anywhere that's going to be a life-giving. It is only in Christ. It's only being connected to that vine that brings that life. And for me, Perth, that's what happened to me. I was looking for things that were not life-giving and it left me depressed and suicidal because it wasn't sustainable. And it's whatever we focus on will magnify. And whenever we magnify is what we end up focusing on. Yeah, so yeah. if I look at this example of the one, he remembered Jesus, he obeyed Jesus, he thanked Jesus. It is That is a very short formula that he got what he was praying for and he didn't forget who answered the prayer. Mm. That is critical. He went back even after the miracle was done to say thank you. And it's important that after that happens, we continue to live for the miracle worker. Absolutely. I just, I'm just making a simple observation here that a lot of times when Jesus interacted with people, when he would heal them, he would often invite them, Hey, come follow me. But I think it's really interesting that he gave them the command go, which was that because they weren't really authentically seeking him and they weren't going to be followers anyways. 
or if they were meant to go do evangelism. I just think it's very interesting because, again, Jesus would often say, hey, come and follow me. But that the, that command was not applied within this context with these 10 people. Because he he told them to to go and they had to go in faith that as they were yeah. walking, that this was going to was going to take place. Mm-hmm. And now, me personally, whenever I hear the word go, I'm always going to think about evangelism. That's just me personally. Of course, yeah. yeah. I, I can't help it. <laughs> There's going to be some Bible scholar that's going to tell me, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. When I see the word go, I'm immediately thinking about evangelism. That's just, yep. that's me. I think that this is also just something I tell folks too, and this is just something I put out there when I, I've talked about this, is it is, it is important for us. when we're Obviously, we're talking about being grateful and thankful to, to Jesus. But there's people in our lives who we are grateful and thankful for. Because you gave the, the example of your husband. Yeah. Tell them. Yep, yep. <laughs> Tell them, show them, send them a carrier pigeon, write them a note. I don't know, whatever <laughs> it is anything. you got to do. Whatever you got to do. If there's people in your life who you love and appreciate, no strength, just tell them. Just say thank you. Yeah. And if you know how they like to be thanked as far if if their love language is gifts or, or or acts of service or quality time, like be thankful for the people that God has placed in your life because he's placed them there for a reason too. Yeah. Know? So I think just showing appreciation to the people around us too, we can put this in the practice every single day because we can't talk about how much we love God and then treat people badly. Mm. It's not how it works. No. And if you're treating people badly, then that really puts in question the character of Christ in you. That I mean, that goes with the fruits of the spirit. And there's a saying, it's not mine, but it's familiarity breeds disrespect. Mm. And we can go over and become so familiar with our loved ones, our husbands, our ki- husband, kids, wife, that we can stop having gratitude and think like that we're entitled to what they're doing, to them taking care of the house, to them taking care of the kids, and really put them in a position where they feel undervalued or they feel just overlooked. And that's such a disservice. Like we should be thankful, thanking our spouses and our kids and the people that we interact with the most. I mean, we'll give more praise to somebody on social media than we will our own families. We'll support people that we don't even know and shower them with accolades, yet our spouses are in our friends around us are starving for affirmation. And they think that we just don't care. We're just too familiar. And we've gotten comfortable, which we that that sense of comfort is not I don't believe biblical, we need to be thankful, and verbalizing that thankfulness. And as you said, studying the people, our spouses and our friends and no figuring out how do they interpret thanks, because not everybody as you said, is going to interpret a thanks in the same way. Like my husband's acts of service, I am not. Mm -hmm. But to love him, I go do things I don't want to because I know it serves him and he does the same thing for me. But that's how we've had almost a 17-year marriage is we've learned those little ins and outs. Like, yeah, if somebody wrote me like a 20-page thank you note, I'm going to be like, all right, I literally, this is great. Thank you. I'm not reading this. (laughs) There was a card I read and it was the most beautiful card I've ever seen. It's like, you open it up and it's like, I didn't know what to get you. Pretend to wipe a tear and and say thank you. It was so good. Here's this Reese cup. I appreciate you. See, this is nice. That took me five seconds. I'm Mm -hmm. out. 20 page note. I'm just going to put that down. We'll get to that maybe in December. Yeah, maybe. Michelle, thank you so much for being back on the show and in doing this today. We are definitely going to have you back on to talk about surrender. This brings me to the let them know segment of the podcast. This is our final segment of the show. You have been here before. You have done this before. So anything you'd like to share, please let them know. 
I just want to let everybody know that you're valuable, that God sees you, and that even if you are in your deepest, darkest trials, God is with you. And even if you can't see that you're going to be okay, it is going to be okay because His grace is sufficient for you. I've been in situations where I have seen no way out of it. I've been in situations where I've been in the depths of the darkness and the Lord had it. And my life has been completely restored, healed, and I'm not the same person that I was. So there's always hope for you. Just reach out, call out to Christ and let him pull you out of that darkness. He absolutely always will. So that's short, that's simple. That's just what I felt led to share. Oh, so good. So good. Can't wait to get you back on here. Would you mind close us out in prayer before we head out today? Absolutely. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us. I pray that we would have just a focus on gratitude and just thanking you for everything you are and everything you have done. I thank you for the opportunity to be on here. And I just pray as we go that you would be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you for my sister, Lord. I just thank you that we were able just to uplift you and just and just give you all the honor, praise, and glory. I pray that this episode reaches who it needs to reach. I pray that it just continues just to just stir people up, blesses them, gives them just some insight, some encouragement, maybe just a confirmation, whatever, whatever you need done from this, Lord. Use us however you see fit. I pray your traveling mercy over each one of us as we get ready to, over Michelle and I, as we get ready to depart. And I just pray expanded territory over her and everything you're trying to do in her and through her. Continue to bring the the right people to her life for where she is and where she's going. And I just thank you for the testimony that her life is going to continue to be to so many. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sister, thank you so much for being back on the show. And we will get you back on apparently for an 11-part series. I I'm excited. No, I'm scared. So <laughs> I'm excited. No worries, no worries to be scared. I feel like I have a lot of studying to do. <laughs> I'll help you. It's good. It's good. There you go. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing the show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah.